everyone, and welcome to another American Scouser podcast. I am your host, as always, Timuchin here back in Chicago. After like an awesome trip to Austin, actually got to hang out with the Austin uh, Liverpool Sports Club. Uh, really good time, very welcoming, like just an awesome group. And even for a midweek game, it was just like an amazing experience to watch the Inter game together. So uh, good to be back and good to have this trio back with us. Galley, as always, this time wearing a zip up. What's going on? Not too much, gentlemen, sitting up here in Massachusetts. Once again, weather up and down the pendulum. We had 60-something degrees and beautiful today, so it was a little uh, hint towards spring, hopefully, showing up here up in New England a little early. You know, but I've been trying to set up the camera settings. I wonder if that's what the color is or the sun in Texas that I got that my body was not used to for the last two months, but it could be either way. With us, as always... Always semi tanned is Paul Bickler. Bickler, what's going on? You actually look really freaking white. It's always sunny up here on Mount Crumpet, man. I'll tell you, uh, Max is good. Sun is shining. The kids aren't knocking on the door anymore. So no, it's um, yeah. I was pretty sick last week. That's probably why I look pale, um, but also pretty white just in general. So thank you for that. Uh, no problem, no problem. Just to make you even more pale, let's get to trivia and cover oh. that. Get that going. Ah, don't be that excited. Come on. Another user submitted. I'm just loving these now that we have somebody constantly giving me these tricky ones. But actually, this is a pretty good one. Obviously, with the Leeds game coming up, it's Leeds related. You guys should have expected that. So our record against league Leeds in the last 12 games. Bickler, as always, we will start with you. Well, this is very similar to last week where there's a lot of math involved. So uh, you're going to have to give us some extra time. Yeah, I don't know if Kazi is watching, but it's 12 games. So the three yeah. digits you give must total 12. So let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go 8, 2, and 2. Okay. Galia, what do you have? I just wrote this down to make sure I didn't pull a Cosgrove here and start this out with something equaling 14. And I, 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 I wasn't trying. Yeah, I don't have that many. I'm going to, I actually had wrote down eight, three, and one. So I'm not going to change that. I'm just going to slightly go off of Paul's guess. Man, are you guys getting good at this? Or the guy who's submitting the questions is tipping you guys off. I don't know which one it is. But Galley is dead on. It is 8-1. Oh. And, and we're actually 8-3 since the last time we lost to them for some additional brownie points. What do you guys have for the last time we lost to Leeds? Are you, I like score? Uh, date, score, whatever you got, man. Uh, no clue. Yeah, it me was, neither. It was a long time ago because it hasn't been since they've been promoted, I don't think. Uh, no, it's April thirteenth, yeah. 2001. Actually, they won 2-1 yeah. at Anfield, and since then we're 8-3-0 and and against them. Yeah, so, I was graduating uh, high school and gas was under a dollar, so – you know, whenever you make like gas and price references, that's a sign of being really freaking old, by the way. I do it a lot. That's how I know. Well, I'm trying to make you feel younger, but then you got to oh. call me out about it. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? I, they didn't have gas when I was young. Um, <laughs> we had to do it that old fashioned way. Okay. So we have a lot to cover. Uh, let's start with the weekend game first. The game against Norwich. I mean, it was an awesome Saturday all around, especially if we kind of go to uh, the afternoon game as well. But let's start with the morning against Norwich. You wake. I woke up. I was kind of groggy because we had just come back from Austin. You know, we didn't get home till like past midnight and stuff. Get up in the morning. I saw this lineup and it walked the shit out of me. So let's start with you, Bickler. You see this lineup. What do you say first? I was like, fuck. What did you say? I said, this is what I get for complaining about a lack of rotation. <laughs> um, Damn, my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's, uh, I guess I always wondered when we were going to see some rotation and we saw it, right? It's just, a little scarier than we'd all hoped. So, um, 
Yeah, man. I When I first saw this lineup, uh, my first thought was, God, I hope Gomez can run enough to play fullback. And then I think my second thought was that midfield is pretty terrifying. And I think uh, that, was, that was about it. Yeah, Sparky Parker says bad midfield. And I think that was my initial thought. It was a bad midfield because of the changes that was done to the back line is was my thought. Galley, what did you think? Well, I'm I, I'm with Paul, so I'm going to go out and just start with this here because I think I might be a little bit in the uh, negative when it comes to Gomez. I think he had an all-around good game. I saw his name in the lineup, and the first thing I thought to myself was, was ugh, like literally, ugh, because I, I just don't enjoy watching him play fullback. I don't believe he is a fullback. I don't believe he is should be Trent's cover, and this felt like it was more of a means to shoehorn in 90 minutes of football for him than it was to actually give Trent a rest and rotate, because in any meaningful game, even if there's an injury, I don't think we're going to see Gomez there. So if Trent goes out for a few weeks, I don't believe it would be Gomez playing right back for multiple games in a row. This just felt like it was Klopp's way of getting him 90 minutes against a club like Norwich. He wasn't worried about him playing in. Um, so for me, the, the Gomez one was the one that jumped out at me. As far as the midfield goes, I just feel that it was a bad, a badly um, executed plan. I don't know where Jurgen could have looked at that trio and thought to himself, this will give us a balanced and positive um, attack and allow us to control the midfield. And at points against Norwich, we were actually getting run through the midfield, which was kind of scary. So before we move on, because I, mean, I want to talk to about going, pretty much yep. every name you mentioned, I want to kind of go into detail on, but you said – if Trent was out, let's say for two to three weeks, and let's not let's hope that never happens. So you said Gomez, you don't think would be the permanent, you know, replacement to fill in for him. Who do you think would be aside from the Joker card, Milner? I honestly think he would play Milner ahead of Gomez in a big spot, and I think he would play probably play Connor Bradley if he had to, because I think naturally he plays the right back position the way our team needs it to play. And we'll all talk about the shift Gomez put in and the couple big overlapping runs he had. But all in all, he dropped back and it changed the entire attack. And it wasn't until I feel like he got kicked forward in the second half that I actually started to see a little bit of that right side. And I feel like that's why Mo was a little quiet. But I know we're going to get to that. I, yeah. I think it would be Connor Bradley and Milner, honestly. So I thought when I see the – midfield and it is not a balanced midfield kind of like as like sparky parker says it is kind of you know more attack minded and my thought was maybe we're not going to push gomez uh up front as much uh just focus on like the, like the left hand side and use katan ox along the right hand side to kind of like push that way create those triangles like with salah and stuff that's not really the way it went but let's start with the back line first let's start with gomez i personally thought Aside from, you know, getting caught on the ball a few times, he's not going to be Trent. I mean, nobody's going to be Trent. Trent is one of the best right backs, especially attacking-wise. He's the probably the best attacking right back there is. Um, and, we, you know, we, we've talked about his defensive stuff before. But I felt Gomez did just fine. But I feel like when I read the stuff afterwards online from fans and stuff, Bigler, I feel like he has filled in very nicely for Lauren, where anything just gets blamed on him, whether he's related or not. Uh, I mean, I don't know about that. I don't know if I buy that. I think I think Gomez, I think Gomez is a little bit polarizing, and I'll tell you why. Because I think people either have like, I think there is a small group of supporters who like. But like got so invested into Gomez's story very early in his career that he was going to be the next great center back that we got for basically nothing. And he's like the crown gem. He's an English young talent. He's going to be outstanding. And I think a lot of people are married to that. And then I think there's a lot of people who are married to the idea that he's just <clears throat> had too many injuries. So I think that people have sort of picked a side of the fence and then are developing opinions the opinions based on those two sort of like end mindsets. Um, 
I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle on him. I think what was encouraging about the performance was the fact that his pace is back. Like, I mean, he made a couple of like sort of marauding runs with the ball that like, I mean, last time I saw him, he looked like he had like a leg and a half. Like I, I didn't know that. Like that's what was scary to me. And so like to see the pace back is super encouraging. I do agree with Gally. I'm in the camp that I don't like him playing fullback. I don't think he's ever been good out there. I mean, we've played him there. Um, but like, to me, he's a, he, he has fullback pace in a center back body. And so we get away with it. Right. I mean, we get away with it because like he's fast, but like he doesn't have the, the quick twitch ability that you need to play out there. He struggles positionally out there. He has never been able to close that down, that side of the ball down very well. Um, so like balls coming in from that side um, have always caused problems for us because he just doesn't get out and close that quick enough. Um, it was something that Trent struggled with occasionally too, but has gotten better with. But I mean, if you saw in the game, I mean, that's, that's really um, part of where they were dangerous is because they were putting stuff in from that channel pretty consistently. I just don't like him out there just because I, I, I don't think it fits um, what he is as a player. And I think he really struggles out there and I'm with Gally. I'd love to see him. I believe he's playing there because that's where the minutes are. And I, I want to see him. I would like to see him in the center of the park. I, I really would. I think that's where he belongs. I think that's where he's best. And I agree. I mean, I don't like him out there either. I feel like he plays out of position. So maybe my grading is more based on that fact as well. Cause I feel like that is not nat his natural position especially, you know, after having seen him play in center back next to Van Dyke beginning of last season, I think it was, where they were like, you know, they were like the best duo in the league and stuff like that. I mean, I guess when I was talking about the whole Lauren thing, I after the game, when I watched that game and evaluate performances, and if I said, you know, this person, this person could not play, did not play well, I don't think I thought there were a couple more names before we even got to Gomez. For sure. Yet I kept seeing Gomez all the time. Does that make sense, Gally, in terms of, you know? Yeah, I, I saw that too. But I guess maybe on the other hand, maybe it's for every five people that came to mention Gomez did something wrong. Then there were 50 comments to tell me exactly how great he was. And not, not just how great, but then like that, that's the thing about our supporters base, right? If you say one critical thing, there'll almost be so much positivity thrown at you and you'll just be kind of called out for just criticizing. And I know we're going to get to other players and there are two of the starting three players in the midfield that were clearly, you know, 11 and 10 on the depth chart as far as quality players go uh, when it came to us. And I don't think Gomez was in that, but I wouldn't have said Gomez put in one of the four or five best shifts. I thought it was a, 90 minute performance and I think maybe the best thing about it was was he got through the entire 90 minutes without any of you know any knocks any injuries and really his pace was there and only once or twice did it seem like there was frailty on the right hand side and for a guy who doesn't play fullback very often I guess that's a good performance I guess I've just come to expect more from this side at this point and that's kind of the exciting point of the depth we have now is, is that I'm used to not seeing that much of a drop-off. We are talking about the best right back in the world, but I do believe that it should be a little bit closer in style when, when we switch out any two players on our side. And that kind of goes back to what Bickler is saying in terms of like the minutes are there. And I was reading like an interview done with yeah. him on the Liverpool website afterwards, you know, talking about, you know, even though it was not his ideal position, it was great to be out there, like starting 11 back in Premier League and stuff like that. Chris Scott says, I think Gomez can be a serviceable fullback if given enough time to get the rust out. And like I said, I think he was serviceable. I did not, you know, after the first half or after the game, I did not come out saying, man, we need a back, you know, we need a backup for right back or anything like that. I thought he, he did well overall. So let's get to midfield where... You know, and obviously we had a clean sheet, so the defense did play well. And Bickler is right. There were a couple of times that he was maybe out of position, but he was able to catch up. But I feel like he does that when he's a center back, too. He, If, if anything, I feel like that's his weakness. He kind of relies on his speed a bit too much to be able to catch up and take some risks and stuff like that. But let's get to midfield. I think, obviously, the most uh, the critical 
players that you know like i read online beginning with ox when we saw the starting 11 i didn't even i was in such a shock i couldn't even do the great opportunity for ox thing darren o'connor says ox had the chance to shine but instead looked like a mud muddy puddle and what do you make of his performance pickler man i've gotten to the point where i just hate talking about ox because like i mean it just i feel like we do this where like we get so close to feeling like he's back and then he comes back and puts in just a couple of incredibly like just like dud performances um like on the cusp of feeling like he's getting back into form so it's really frustrating i mean it was a bad performance he was positionally bad. He was poor on the ball. He got caught on the ball. He turned it over a bunch. Like, um, I mean, you put him in there, and the, the good thing about Ox is that he gives you a direct threat who can both take the ball on the dribble at people and can shoot from range. And he also provides a lot of press from that position. So those are, like, the three things you're really looking for. I mean, I think he pressed his socks off, especially the first five to ten minutes, but – I mean, he just kind of got lost. And and you have a midfield with Hendo anchoring, which I don't love Hendo and, Hendo and the anchor. And then you've got two of our sort of more offensive-geared midfielders in there, and neither one of them really seem to get footing. And I know the thought is if you want to sacrifice and have an unbalanced midfield and have it more offensive-geared, this is probably the game that you can get away with that. Um, but it just, it just looked too chopped, and there was just no – I think it was between like all the changes up front, uh, backup fullbacks. It was just there was nothing. There, there was no cohesion, and he just was. He had a very disjointed game, and you know it was a relief when he went off. For, I think for everybody. How about you, Gally? What do you think about what we saw out of him? I guess one thing that gets to me is, I mean, obviously, and I always, I'm the one who always says it's a great opportunity for Ox, great opportunity for Ox. And he's had a lot of these. And like Bickler said, sometimes it's it, sometimes it's miss. And I think that's lack of consistency is kind of like the frustrating part. But, I mean, this illusion that he has never been good is so wrong because the league, the season we won the title, he was crucial. I mean, he had a lot of, you know, goals, assists. I mean, you go back and watch highlights from that season. He's involved in a lot of games where, you know, we won the game with his contribution and stuff, but he has not been able to gain the consistency. I mean, we always, you know, that's like the famous thing. It's like, oh, he needs a run of games. I feel like he's had a run of games. God knows he's had a lot more chances than, for example, Taki. Why do you think that we just kind of get this on and off Ox? Well, I think a big part of it is, is that he's not 100% back from his injuries. And I, I think that is part of it at some point, right? This guy has had five or six major knee injuries in his playing career going all the way back to his time at Arsenal. I mean, he missed a year and a half at Arsenal in the three-year period. And then he missed a year and a half just about with us over a two two and a half to three-year period. So I just think this guy has missed so much of his playing career at a time when you're really supposed to kick on. You know, when he came to Liverpool – and took the free transfer and, and we all, you know, championed that this could be a big move. You know, it's a 25 million pound transfer and he got high wages and he, it was supposed to be like a dove to water, right? Jurgen Klopp was going to love him. He was going to let him play as an attack minded midfielder and be the box to box midfielder that Arsene Wenger didn't see. And he had that. And I think the, the crucial injury against city in the champions league final or the champions league quarters, I really believe was, was the beginning of it. And I just think that he lost a little bit. And I know you go back to how well he played during the championship season and he did play great, but you know, what also gets lost in that is for the majority of that season, we were 15 points up from January 1st on. I mean, it was a, it was a victory March procession. So I think some of that, there wasn't as much of the stress and there wasn't as much of the, tight match, close games. And I think when Ox is put in high pressure situations, it's when he lets us down. And I, I think that's where now he is as much lost in between the six inches between his head, you know, between his ears. I think it's a lot of it's in his head because he looks like a guy who can't get out of his own way. He, he, he presses well, he hustles, he makes 
terrible decisions, whether it's when to take on a shot, when to take on a defender. He seems to always make, you know, the, that last pass, whether they're on the counterattack. He's always the guy who passes the ball and, you know, kicks it behind someone or shifts them slightly off. And I just feel like he is in zero rhythm. And no matter what Klopp does, give him time against lower-level opponents, give him cup games, uh, spot start in the Champions League, nothing seems to jumpstart him. And I, I'm really worried that we might be seeing the end of his time here. At the really? And like you say, I think he was in, in a game like this, especially kind of like ideal to play that because of his shooting. And I feel like sometimes he feels that pressure, like that he's there to take those shots. So he kind of takes a shot, whereas maybe, you know, like Hendo or somebody else will kind of like, you know, pass that on to the right-hand side or the left-hand side for the cross or something like that. I think he kind of feels that pressure. And that's a good point. Maybe that is what the issue is. So let's get to the other side of the midfield with Keita. Because, uh, I mean, I felt... And I agree with Bickler. I don't like Handel there, but I think he's the closest thing we have to that position to give Fab a rest. Milner will be, I guess, the second one, but, you know, he doesn't have the pace and physicality as much as, like, Handel does. So you have Keita as the other midfielder who, you know, obviously we expect to kind of, like, contribute against these, like, you know, defenses that are just, like, sitting back. I mean, they were pretty much playing 9-1 at one point. Gally, let's start with you on this one. What do you make of Navi? And I know I've been probably the most critical of him over time, but let's start with you guys before it gets to me. Yeah, so I I, I didn't think he was as bad as, as poor as you made him out to be. Um, I, I thought that there were times where I wanted him to stick in a little bit more. He did seem a little passive on a few 50-50 uh, balls. There's no question. Uh, there were a few spots where I thought he could have went a little bit more aggressive. He was pressing, you know, the couple times that we actually in the first half that we had um, offensive foyers down the left side, I think with, with Smeekis one time, it was him that overlapped with him. I, I thought that he was okay. I just don't, I, I don't love him in the midfield when he's not playing with Fabinho. And I think that is the number one thing. I think he needs, to know that there is a full, full wall behind him. Because what he does well is, you know, he actually attacks at defenders. He dribbles, he tries to drive at folks, and he tries to create with the front three. And I thought at times he was linking up with Mane and Mo as they kind of uh, rotated in the middle. But again, I think that when he has, you know, Thiago and Fabinho or even Hendo and Fabinho behind him, he can do a little bit more. And I think having Ox and him on the pitch together really weakened both of them because they both seemed that much more vulnerable at turning the ball over in bad spots. I guess that's what my frustration comes with him is I think he has – some of the ideal qualities we want for that position, right? I mean, in terms of counter pressing, how many times has he won the ball there and created like created a goal, like had an assist and stuff like that? Um, and he has the work rates defensively when we're like pressing and everything like that. But his lack of physicality is just glaring. I mean, this game and last couple of times we've seen it is glaring. I mean, you look at how Handel plays. And you looked at even how Thiago plays. And Thiago has just as many injuries. I know Keita has been unlucky with him. But is it just me, Bickler, being overcritical? But, I mean, he kept... I was at one point, and I think I even said this in the fan channel, that I guess we don't have to worry about him getting any contact injuries anymore because he literally avoided any and all contact. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Uh, <clears throat> I did not think he had a terrible game, though. In fact, I thought he did. You know, it's funny because we... we we make fun of him for his lack of physicality. Right. But like, I thought like if you take the physicality out of it, which I know is kind of like ironic, like I thought he did a lot of genie like things where like he was really tight with possession and did a good job, like holding the ball up and just making simple passes and, and rotating. And, you know, <clears throat> I know that's not, that's not what anybody wants to see from him. Right. But like everybody talks about wanting to replace genie. So then when he does it, like, and he doesn't get any love for it, 
Like that's not necessarily fear either. You look at this game in particular and it's like, how many minutes do you think Nabby's really settled in and had with Simicus behind him and Diaz in front of him and Mane as a, as a, as a center forward and Hendo and the whole, like, I mean, you train with all those guys, right? But those are like five dudes that he's, he's surrounded by most frequently in that game and has the most chemistry in interwoven space during the match. And those are five guys that are all sort of not usually in the fray in that capacity. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a culmination of probably like uh, sort of a, a chopped and changed lineup in, in, in just him struggling, you know, like I still think that he's struggling to like, to really get out there and, and, and find his momentum and in his role. And, you know, that's tough, man. It's tough when you come in with the amount of expectation that he came into this club with, um, you know, I still think he's a hell of a player and I still think it's there. He's just gotta, we've just gotta figure it out or we need to make a decision to move on. I mean, will that physicality, is that physicality going to come back? Because this is not the same guy that we watched in Germany in terms of how physical he plays defensively. I mean, there were so many 50-50s. He was like, uh, you know what, why don't you take it? I'll try to steal it from you afterwards, as opposed to kind of like going into it, where I could envision any one of our other midfielders. That includes Ox, who has a lot of injuries, going for that ball. Win or lose, doesn't matter, but going for that 50-50 I mean, is this something you think that over time he will get rid of Galley, or it's just going to be kind of like his uh, his style is going to be different? And I, I think Bickler makes a good point where if this was Genie, we probably would not be as critical, but he is there for that purpose alone. And he has the ability to, I mean, he's a hard guy to defend against because he can pick that pass and he can kind of pick you up on the dribble suddenly too. And he's pretty, he's pretty agile dude and he can finish. So it's a hard guy to defend when you're like suddenly faced with him in front of the box because you don't know if he's going to like chip behind you, cut behind you, suddenly make a pass and stuff. So he has all the tools we need and he's obviously a good player. But I think the lack of physicality, especially watching the last few games, but this game especially was just like really frustrating. So is this what we're going to get or you think this is kind of like, you know, I mean, let's face it. He did just recently come back again from that brutal Pogba injury that did happen when he went for a 50-50 ball. I was going to say, you know, the last time we actually remember him going hard in on a 50-50 tackle, you know, he walked away with a dirty-ass, you know, high foot from Pogba that left him with a serious, you know, I don't know, was it a shin bruise or whatever it was that he had that let him out. So, you know, I, I, I think we're going to see a little bit better from him as time goes on if he's going to get more minutes on the pitch. I don't think we're ever going to see him being Hendo and flying into tackles. Like he he's not ever going to be Declan Rice clearing people out, you know, on a midfield. Like it's not just our team, right? There's other crunchers on every team's got a cruncher or two. And and I don't think he has that in his locker. And he didn't really play that way in Germany, but but really no one plays that way in Germany. And I think that is part of one of the things that we always talk about when we buy these players from, you know, foreign land. I got killed in the summertime for saying that I thought Liverpool should spend, take a $20 million flyer on Jared Bowen with two weeks to go in the summer transfer window. It sounds like a pretty good $20 million spent now if they had brought him in. But I said that for two reasons. One, he had the effort and showed the wherewithal to play with both feet and he's a, a clock like player. But two, he was English and had already proven he could play at this physicality under these parameters and that he understood what it would take. And I think you question that when you get him. And I think you make a great point, Mutu. Um, surprisingly to me, Tiago has a little bit of that nastiness in him. He'll get stuck in on a tackle. Um, sometimes he'll do it and he's on the, uh, he's on the giving side and he comes up with his crazy eyes. Um, and other times, you know, he'll come in a minute late and he's not afraid, where I do believe that that's not in Kata's – I don't think that's part of Kata's game. I really don't. And I'm not sure that we can ever expect it to be fully part of his game. That doesn't mean he can't be a success here if he can find his way uh, and using his good attributes that he brings to the team. So we'll see where it goes. So despite not being in our A game – it is Norwich, so it's pretty even game. Obviously, we dominate possession and everything, but nothing happens in the first half instead of the goal. Ox misses that 
chance in the very last second, which I really felt like could have changed the game at that point. But so we go into the second half, and obviously we start with that weird deflection from my boy, our boy Matip over there, who he's not at fault for. I mean, I still felt like, for example, again, I know I'm going to get pounded on this, but I felt, again, Ox let the let him cut in too easily. He had one way to go, and instead of pushing him out, kind of like let him in. He first I shot. Can't play Matip. You're going to stick your head out. It's just instinct. Ball goes in deflection. So we the changes come in on the 62nd minute with Thiago coming in and Bickler's favorite, Divac, coming in. First off, Bickler, are you surprised, aside from being extremely thrilled, to see Divac in there before any of the other options? Oh, man, I feel like that's a very loaded question. Um, I, I would have preferred to see Taki in this. Um, but, I mean, I guess if you're – you're down Jota and Firmino, you know, Joe, you know that Origi is going to be lurking. Like, you know what I mean? He's going to be in the mix somewhere. Like, so he's going to be, you got to get him off Snapchat, get him warmed up. Um, so like, no, I mean, yeah, I would have preferred Taki, especially in this game. I thought it would have suited him, but um, also, I don't know. Origi brings some magic. So, I mean, you're down one, you never know. I thought, you know, I mean, the, the real obvious thing is that Thiago just essentially turned that game on its head, changed completely changed the momentum in the midfield, unlocked their entire back nine with one pass, like multiple times. Uh, that dude is just like a joke from a talent perspective. Um, it's just a shame that he's he's injured all the time. But like, yeah, it, he changed the game. Was not completely surprised that Div came in, but would have preferred Taki. You think this is the way we kind of continue to use Thiago Galli, whereas instead of like having him start, kind of like establish a lead and rest him, use him as like the super sub that can really change a game? Because he did literally change that game, like Bickler says, the moment he came in. And it will, I was personally shocked to see Diva come in more than like where he was coming in as well. But it's that odd optimistic feeling you get when you see Diva just like, you know, Coming onto the field because you know something good is going to happen. It didn't come from him, but something good did happen. What do you make of the whole Thiago thing, Gally? I mean, is this basically how we're going to mostly utilize him on this maybe like a big Champions League game? I, I still expect him to start the big matches from the beginning in the matches where we know we have to compete 90 minutes. Like, I expect Thiago to start the City match. I expect Thiago to start on Sunday in the League Cup final. Like, He's, he's one of our best 11 players, you know, they're, you know, you know, the stats that they talk about when he and Fabinho start in a league game, what is it? One loss, I think in, in two plus years. Um, and I do believe that that will happen. I think there are going to be opportunities though, like this Norwich game, like the Burnley games, games where we expect teams to set up with the low block and, you know, to not, I hate to say not wasting for the first 60 minutes of him trying to zip passes around. So he gets tired and he picks up a yellow card. And I think there is a real value in bringing him in at the 60 minute mark. When, when you know, you probably will need the final 30 minutes to break down a team and, and get the winner. Um, it made sense. I'll say this about Diva coming in. It made sense to me as soon as they clearly switched formation and went to a four, four, two. And we haven't seen them actually go to a 4-4-2 in a long, long time. And you saw it. As soon as they walked in, Thiago started doing this, and he did the two, and he pointed to Mo. So they, they put them out there with an actual shift in formation. If they had stayed the standard 4-3-3 and just dropped Diaz or Mane back to the midfield, that to me wouldn't have made sense to bring Divac in. Then I, I'm, I'm with Paul all day. Use the fluid Taki, you know, have him playing off the striker, maybe in the 10 roll. But the fact that they went to the 4-4-2, it just kind of made sense. And I don't think we can argue it because it clearly worked. I'll tell you the irony of that formation shift is they played a 4-2-2, which basically they played a 4-2-2-2, so a double pivot, two attacking mids that are wide and two strikers. That is the same formation that Nabby was best at. 
in Germany. Exactly. So they shut them off and then changed that formation. I, I was just going to wow. say they basically they basically line up like Southampton lines up every single week. They just did it with a heck of a lot more talent and goals. Yeah, that's a formation that Leipzig used to just crush people with. So. I mean, uh, there is a weird irony in that. But, yeah, that was a formation that was very interesting. And moving Origi and Diaz to the center of, a, like, basically up top was it's kind of wild. And, I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, we were dominating possession and everything, like, throughout the game anyway. But once – and you almost – at all times, you felt like the goal was going to come in. I mean, you look at the stats. I mean, we just totally, like, dominated – the stats. Well, hold on. I put the wrong one in there, so you can look at that one. But um, <laughs> where we find, you know, throughout the position, and we were creating chances, and obviously we get the goals. You knew the moment one came in, the second one was very near, and we get the goals. And then obviously Diaz gets his goal, which obviously was a good thing, especially you know get that out of the way, get the pressure of that. And I mean, he looks like I know you guys talked a lot about him. Uh, on the Thursday's podcast, uh, Galley, I mean, he looks like we hit the nail right on the head again in terms of like getting a player that perfectly suits what we're going to do. One thing I wanted to ask, though, is, I mean, we get this game and obviously even more importantly, Tottenham in a crazy game beat City and all those who had abandoned the title hopes and called the league over and stuff are suddenly running back into the bar and saying, wait, wait, we're still in this, obviously with the Leeds game coming up. So with the Leeds game coming up, I think the biggest story moving forward is the fact that Bobby is going to be out for a while. We don't know what that while totally is yet. Bickler, how does that affect it or how concerning is it? I mean, Jota should be, might be able to come for the weekend, for the final, at least probably off the bench, even if he doesn't start. But how concerning is it that right when we said, look at all this depth, we're kind of like having some cracks? I mean, it's super concerning to me. I mean, we're headed down like the most critical stretch of the season. I think, you know, I've talked at length about how I think Bobby is, is essentially a football unicorn and how much he helps our midfield when he plays. Uh, and then Jota is just so incredibly clinical. It was funny when we were struggling and we went down versus Norwich. My first thought was like, man, we've, we've really missed Jota this entire game because he can basically just, he can just basically clean up a loose ball and turn it into a goal. Right. Um, and, and like, that's what you need sometimes in a, in sort of a scruffy match. You just need that one to go in so you can kind of control momentum and then build from there. So, yeah, man, I think, like, Jota's just ability to just find the net and scrap goals in based on position and, and tenacity and, and Bobby's ability to give you uh, tactical help in the midfield in a way that creates a lot of space for Mo and Mane. Um, yeah, those are two huge, huge misses at a very critical juncture in, in the season. So, yeah, I'm definitely concerned. Um, I, I think about what this conversation would look like had Spurs not gone in for Diaz and we not gotten him. You know what I mean? Like this would be a really ugly situation. So in a lot of ways, thank you Spurs twice this weekend. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, we're pretty fortunate that Diaz has basically looked like he's played with these boys for the last four years. How about you, Gally? I mean, my thought was I'm more concerned for games where we like for the bigger games. I think I'm always more in favor of, Bobby in there just because of what he can do to opposing center backs by pulling them all over the place, creating space behind. I think in a game like, for example, Norwich, if I had to pick one, I would probably pick Jota over him. But how? what's the level of concern you have? Well, I, to be honest, I, I'm concerned. I'm concerned anytime someone says someone's going to be out a while. And then if you listen to Jurgen today at the press conference, when he was asked about Bobby's availability for this weekend, he said, well, I've seen the lad today. He looks good. We're going to get a scan done, and we'll get back to you later in the week. So I get confused by some of his – you know, and I know what he's doing. He, he plays with the media. He talks certain players up and back. You know, for me, I bet Bobby's out a couple weeks. Um, you know, a while right now, it could be seven games. It's only – three weeks. I mean, we're playing every three days. That's where my concern is. 
where I feel good about it is, is that Bebok is healthy. So it gives us a live body off the bench that can actually go out there and score some goals, especially against, you know, the lower teams. Um, I also, I've, you know, been pleasantly surprised with the last few appearances that Taki had, even though they've been small and shorter in length. I think he's actually given 10, 15 minutes of good run off the bench. So if he has to be an impact sub, and as long as we have the four, at least four of the five guys firing up front, you know, assuming Jota's back for the weekend or early next week, I still feel that we have more firepower than any of the other teams that we're competing in for the league. And honestly, just about as much firepower as anyone in Europe. So honestly, as long as Mo and Mane are healthy, I believe this team is going to click and going to score goals and continue to push forward. So um, am I concerned? Yes. Do I believe that it is going to stop us from winning a title or any of the four titles we're up for? It won't be the reason if we don't win. It'll just be an excuse that people use if we don't. Well, I'll give you one area you should be concerned in is fantasy. So let's look at... (laughs) Let's look at the fantasy rankings over here. Oh, I've been setting this up for a while. Okay, so let's look at... Actually, I'm semi-concerned as well. Not for my sake. I'm already in the shitter. Never catching Bickler, looks like. Uh, but Kelly is still number one with six, 1,668 points. But the crowd behind her is getting more and more crowded. It feels like uh, Dan Bennett has fallen... All the way into the four spots. Uh, I might have jinxed them actually, but it is what it is. And meanwhile, our Polish prince is making a huge run, and he's up in the tenth spot now. Matej, actually having a good week over here is Galley, but kind of like out of the conversation. Hey, the good news is you cut it down to hundred points between you, you and Kelly, buddy. Yeah, don't worry. There's four more games this week. I'm sure she'll blow it out of the water before the end of this thing and, and beat me. So, uh, but, but uh, yeah, another guy having a great week is the unnecessary pet trauma. <laughs> I thought uh, you were going to skip right over that, buddy. <laughs> Bickler has 72 points and he's up to 20th. This is hey, this whole fact. This is a, this is a strange spot for me. I woke up Sunday morning. I could see everybody I know on the same page with me, which is weird. Um, like I don't, I didn't have to scroll for like five minutes to find people. It's uh, it's weird, man. Now you should look now, buddy, because I'm on the second page suddenly. Just this proof that anybody can play this stupid game. Uh, yeah, pretty much, right? It's a crapshoot. Anybody can look good on any week. I, of course, I kind of like went after studying some people who are not going to play again. It never pays off. I keep trying it, but never pays off. I don't know how this stuff works, if they put people off the bench again or whatever. But uh, even then, uh, yeah, I had like Trent. He didn't show up. Uh, just a, a Tony and all that kind of stuff. Okay. But... At least we can just remind Galley that he's a hundred points behind Kelly in the same house. Has to be yeah. in there. Yes. Well, yeah. anyway, just figured I would remind you that so that you have something to worry about. So let's talk real quick about this game now with us back in the title race, which I always felt like you know it was never over. I know a lot of people were already jumping the boat. I'm proud to say I'm pretty sure all three of us were like, you never know. Uh, you don't want to get your hopes up, but we're kind of back in it. But obviously, it's a huge game coming up with Leeds. I still think like people are now in the complete opposite where everybody's celebrating like we won the thing. And, oh, it's in our grasp and stuff. But I do not still see us uh, going straight. Sparky Parker earlier asked the question. Uh, he said, what do you think the win-draw-lose ratio will be in the remaining games? He's not that optimistic. Looks like nine and two and two with a total of 86 points. I think to win the title, we would have to do better than that personally. But the key thing before we look that far ahead, I think is the Leeds game. And with the cup final coming afterwards, Bickler, what do you expect out of this lineup? I honestly have no idea because like this is, this would have been the game where I would have heavily rotated. So I'm not entirely sure what to expect in this one. Um, I would have expected a lot of changes. 
I don't really know, man. I have no idea. Like, because now you're in a spot where like, are you going to put Kanate in here and start Matip? Uh, in like, or are you going to start Matip again? But if Matip, st- if Matip starts again, you can't see him in the, I wouldn't see him being playing in the cup final and playing three games in that short succession. So I, I really don't know. There's going to be some big questions asked, right? Um, and it, it, we're not necessarily in a spot where we can afford to, to drop points either. So it's got to be a relatively strong lineup. I wish I had a better answer, but like, you know, in the words of my friend Jamie, that's a tough one. I really don't know what to expect on this lineup. <laughs> I was going to say, this is the kind of answer that Jamie would give you yep. on like Thursday podcast, kind of dance around it. But I do not let him get away with that stuff, and I will not get you to get away with it either. So in the last, in the back four lineup, do you expect the regular boys to be back, or is my fantasy team really screwed because <laughs> Trent is not going to play? Uh, yeah, I, oh, man. Because I agree well, with you. I'll, I thought this would be the game they would be rested, so they are back in full force for the title, like the, the right. cup final. But I think we're doing the – doesn't matter which game it is. We had to win every game. Yeah. Going back to clubs, playing our best 11 and best in terms of being in shape and, you know, rest of uh, And I guess my feeling is if, like, they didn't play last game and you're going to start them in the final, they probably have to play this game. You don't want them to go, like, over a week without playing, like, a live match. You know what I mean? So if you're going to start them in the final, you're going to basically play them in this game, likely, if they didn't play – versus Norge. So, you know, I would think like you're going to probably see <sighs> shit, man. I would think that you, I guess I could see Kanate coming in and Matip getting a rest. Uh, but I could see the rest of the back four being pretty much the starting back four. I think Fab's probably going to be in here in some capacity. I would, I would think I wouldn't mind seeing H- Hendo get a rest here. Uh, Fab come in and then you put maybe like Jones into this midfield um, in some capacity. Um, I think your front three kind of writes itself right now. It's got to be Mo Mane Diaz. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I would go with. See, if you assert yourself, you had an answer in there deep inside. Listen, you I just want to look around and like I'm just trying to be neutral on this thing. Okay. See, I personally actually think the front three. We do see Divac starting this game. Is how I envision it. Uh, that could be yeah. scary for some, but I feel he starts this game. And I know club. This is where having five subs would be ideal, especially for a manager like club, because he does like bringing the guy who's gonna play the next game in the last thirty minutes, like twenty-five minutes or so. I mean, we can obviously do that with everybody. How about you, Galley? What are you expecting? Let's bring out the squad in you. Give, give Klopp five subs. He'll use two and piss everyone off with the other three <laughs> sitting on the bench. Um, I uh, And then he'll talk in the press conference about how he needed five subs. Muscle injuries are going to rack up on his squad and the physios pick the starting lineup. Um, well, I'll, I'll go with the first one. You know, the obvious is Allison will be in between the sticks because we know Kelleher is going to start on Sunday. Smile, <laughs> <Big laughs> Paul. Um uh, but no, I, I, I think Trent I think Trent will start. I think I honestly believe that Virgil should be given a day off. If anyone deserves a day off, it's probably Virgil. Um, and it would have made some sense to maybe let Gomez play at center back against even against a team like Leeds because they have pace and you need his speed. Uh, but I don't think it'll happen. You know, Virgil started every Premier League match since he's been at Liverpool outside of the one city match that he first mitched missed and after the injury of course at Everton so I expect Virgil to play I think Bravo and Trent will be back there I think that the tweak is I think Kendall Wilson I think Elliot will start um I think he's sat a game and a half I think they want to get the bad taste out of his mouth uh, the match at Inter a uh, little payback against Leeds uh it's at home I think it just it bodes well for an Elliot start um, and I actually am with you, Tamuchin. I think Mane starts this match or even Diaz starts this match from the bench. And we see either Origi or Taki. Um, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me is that they put two $20 million bids in for Taki and we wouldn't let him go in January. So maybe we roll him out against Leeds and let him see the player that they're supposedly so interested in buying um, because they seem to think that he would be the type of player they need and that he might be just the right level. So maybe you see a Taki start or an Origi start. 
along with uh, obviously Mo. You're not taking Mo off the pitch. He's going for every record in the world. But I, I really think that's and, and probably Thiago in the midfield. And I think that's just about the starting lineup, though, for the League Cup final. I mean, the League Cup final is basically just Hendo. And the only decision for me is Kanate and Matip. For me, that's the only decision for the League Cup final is Kanate and Matip. And Ken Klopp convince Kelleher he's got a tummy ache so he can start Allison in there. Yeah, we're going to miss Allison's assists. Now he has two assists to Mo, and what an assist that was, by the way. But I guess my concept on Taki is the way Leeds plays, that kind of scares me. In some ways, it kind of goes for Taki. There'll be a lot of space because they go kind of like full attack as well. But at the same time, it's a very physical team, and I don't know if that fits Taki in that sense. The thing I like about Divac is he does bring some of that, and the last... The D-back we've seen this season is a lot more physical than the D-back we've seen in the past. He does play True. his size a lot more than he used to. He used to play like Taki in a D-back body kind of thing. I feel like he's a lot more physical now. But, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And if we win it, it's down to three points. And we're back in the title race, which I felt like we were. But there's a lot of games to be played, a lot of surprises along the way and i know when you look at the schedule it's easy to say oh that's a win that's not but man you never know especially like this time of year with a lot of games coming back to back and i feel like especially when it comes to champions league city's focus will be a lot more on there and it's not as easy to switch that back and forth i know they have depth as well but it's kind of like takes like a unique uh, team to be able to go in all lanes full speed and that Champions League is such a big focus for them because it's the one that they could never get that I'm hoping it will kind of take away from the focus from the league but that might be wishful thinking on my part but Pickler let's get a score prediction don't make me pull that one out with force as oh, well oh man Leeds is Leeds is a weird team um, I will go I'm going to go with like a kind of a crazy game. Like I'll go 4-2, but not like United 4-2 where we smoke them and then remember we're shit for a few minutes and then smoke them again. Like it'll be consistent. Like I think it's just going to be kind of a like – I think they'll scrap a few in there, but I think we'll score fairly easily. Yeah. Gally, what do you got? Yeah, I, I am more on the, on the lines of like a 4-1 beatdown. Um, and the one will be exactly that, either a mental lapse or, you know, they'll have a, a through ball on a great run, maybe a piece of brilliance by Rafinha. Um, to me, they just – they look like a beaten down team. I mean, that was an ugly match, you know, or a crazy match Sunday morning against United between the rain, you know, the standing water on the pitch. Let's be honest, if we thought that um, – Paul Tierney had a bad day refereeing the Liverpool Spurs match. He might've been even worse in that Leeds United match. I mean, the fact that he got to the 80th minute and the only yellow card he had given to, was to Ronaldo for descent just shows that he had no control or any plan for that match. I mean, it was a, it was a really, really poor performance. I mean, there could have been broken legs on both teams based on how that play was happening. And uh, Robert Cock being out is a huge loss when you're already down Calvin Phillips. They have no defensive holding um, players. Forstall was getting run off the pitch by, uh, you know, slow United players. I, I really think that Leeds back line is in for some trouble when it comes to Mo, Mane, Diaz, you know, Taki, Elliott. I, I, I think this could be an ugly one. I like the 4-1. I was going to go with my usual 3-1, but I do think we do. I, hopefully, it doesn't come back to bite us. Sparky Parky says 3-2, which would not be good for my health, so let's oh, not go no. with that. I uh, would like to have a game where it's a bit easier watching because, I mean, Norwich game started easy where I felt like the goal was going to come, but as the minutes go by, you're like, ah, oh, and then when we go down, and I was like, no freaking way that – you know, we're going to lose points in this game because it didn't feel like it. I do agree that, you know, Leeds, if they play like how they normally do and they really change how they play, it kind of like kind of plays into our hands and I feel like we should be able to capitalize. And it would be nice to have a more comfortable Leeds so that we can at least use those two 
maybe even three subs and, you know, get some people some rest before like the cup final uh, on Thursday's game. We'll basically recap, recap. I mean, Thursday's podcast, I should say, uh, we'll recap the Leeds game and look ahead to the cup final. And hopefully we'll be only three points behind. Do you guys want to make since we're not going to meet till next Monday? Do you guys have a prediction for the cup final? Are we talking next Monday with another trophy in the case, Bickler? Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll go. Man, I'll say I say we edge it 1-0 in a KG tough match. Oh, man, like, you guys don't talk to my doctor enough. He is not big on these 1-0-3-2 games. Galley, what do you have? I'm going to say we win it almost like the Champions League final. It's a 2-0 final, but it's a hell of a lot closer than that. And, you know, right down to the end, maybe we get the second goal. I really believe that Chelsea is uh, a shell of the club that was playing at the beginning of the season. There's talk that Mason Mount may not be fit for the match. And if he is, he may only be fit to play from the bench. And I honestly don't believe um, that Chelsea – I don't think Chelsea can operate when Mason Mount isn't pulling the strings for him. I think he makes the whole thing go. And I honestly believe that bringing in, uh, bringing in Lukaku will prove to be the, the worst signing that they've made, what, three times now. Um, but I genuinely believe that they're going to rue spending this $115 million on him and realize that it's just not going to work. And it's surely not going to work again. It felt like in the beginning that it could be a good signing, right? The way it kind of started, but as it, as it unfolded as how they're going to play, it just made no sense. Uh, and let's hope they keep that up. Uh, Sparky Parky says, sorry, one, two, loss. Which, I don't yeah, know. That's who, I, I just don't know how watching on current form, watching Chelsea play and needing a 90-minute poor goal against oh. Crystal Palace to win at home. They'd think they were going to show up to Wembley on an even bigger pitch and outplay a club who's faster. You know, they, they're going to literally roll out Thiago Silva at center back and think he's going to stop Diaz, Mane, and Salah running out. You know, Aspilicueta and another 45, 80-year-old guys playing in the back five. My only fear with them don't is it. they, it's a team that can defend, like sits back and defend, I should say, kind of like how they did when they went down to 10 men at like Anfield. That's, I guess, my biggest concern in that game is if they're smart, they will kind of start like that and play us on the counter. Because if they play us open, I agree that we'll have the, you know, we'll have like the weapons to basically beat them on there. Dave Leslie says, come on, Bickler, don't be so doubtful. I'm just trying to be respectful. I mean, I agree with Gal. They're, they're struggling. Like, they put out a full lineup and barely beat Plymouth. Like, like in the, right. in, the in the cup, like <laughs> like they like seriously, that was a legit starting eleven, and they barely beat Plymouth. Like uh, you know, barely put Palmeiras in the in the FIFA Club final. Like yeah, they're not they're not smoking anybody. Tomorrow will be interesting. You know, they're yeah. they're arguably playing the worst. They have arguably the easiest matchup of any team that, or definitely of any of the Premier League teams. And they probably have the easiest matchup outside of City, who always seems to get a cakewalk. You know, I mean, Lille is not playing well in the French League. Lille is not playing well in the Champions League. And, you know, Chelsea's going to go out there tomorrow. And you watch, they'll probably win, but they'll probably struggle to do it. They're just, they're not looking good. I mean, they're starting wingers at wing back. I mean, they, they have some real, for the deepest squad in England, Right, they were two, three injuries away, and I think that's a problem when you have these squads that are deep on paper, but they were depth. The depth wasn't guys performing; they were just names everyone knew. So it's great to have names. You know, you can have all these names on your bench, but you know, if one of those names is Sowell and one of those names is you know, it, these aren't world beaters. You know, <laughs> these are just regular guys that are sitting on their bench and. You know, Christian Pulisic's another one. These are just guys that they bring in, and they have no cohesion. They basically have five, yeah. six players that have played well all year. Yeah, and I, a lot of, they they over, I mean, they bought like eight promising midfielders over two windows, and their best midfielders are their academy kids that came up. Like, it's like they have right. – and, like, you compile that with Tuchel, who's got a little bit of Brendan Rodgers in him where he starts kind of over-tinkering, and it's like, yeah, that's what you get. 
Well, Lil still has those two Turkish boys still there. There was three. Now there is two. They don't play crap for the Turkish national team. The least they can do is play for the French team. And that should be an interesting game to watch. Well, gentlemen, thanks for everything. Uh, thanks to all those watching, commenting, do the liking, sharing, and all that kind of good stuff. And then we will see you guys on Thursday when we hopefully recap a Leeds win against Leeds. See you guys then.